0: Uh, um, so how much is that? Um, welcome to the podcast editors mastermind where we talk about the business side of podcast editing. So, if you are a professional podcast editor or want to be, you are in the right place, and today. It feels like kind of a public service. Um, How do you promote yourself without being spammy? And this is something I struggle with promoting myself a lot because I feel like I always come off spammy. So we're going to try to come up with some solutions to make that easier. I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at Rothmedia.audio.
1: I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at TopTierAudio.com. And unfortunately...
0: Not being able to join us tonight is Carrie Caulfield-Eric. And you can find her at yayapodcasting.com. Good job. Yeah. So like full disclosure, like posting makes me really nervous. So I'm trying my best. You're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So promoting yourself.
1: Before this, we were going to talk about just briefly about the conference. Do you want to bring that up? (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. So
0: August, August 23rd. What's great about this is... It's right before Podcast movements. Steven and Mark actually set it up to be in Dallas right before Podcast Movement, which is also in Dallas. So if you are planning on going to Podcast Movement, then just come up there a little bit earlier, take part in the Podcast Editor's Conference. And if you weren't, this is a great opportunity to justify the cost of travel. It's going to be a mastermind session to where you break down into smaller groups, much like we do on a weekly basis for the most part and talk amongst your peers about any problems that you may be having.
1: Daniel and I were both part of the first podcast editors conference, which was right before the world shut down in 2020, right before PodFest. And that was, at least for me, an incredibly good experience. That was a day filled with learning and stuff. Uh, We had a number of sessions. Daniel actually offered a session. Carrie was part of a session. There was a lot of great stuff there. This, in my view, is actually going to be better. Because this is going to be a chance for you to actually hear from people and not just ask questions to an expert in the front of the room, but actually bring people together and talk about, okay, how can we make our businesses better? Like this to me is a really cool thing and just super jazz to see what they do with this.
0: Yeah, super excited. And it's not super expensive. So tickets are $199, which will be going up. So if you are planning on going, get your tickets sooner rather than later. And if you're a member of the podcast editor Academy, you get a steep discount right now. Tickets are 19 bucks. Wow.
1: <laughs> that's crazy. I hadn't followed all of this stuff, but that's a crazy price.
0: Yeah. And so if you're, if you're on the fence about joining the Academy, you can pretty much justify the cost of it just by this thing alone or a lot of the cost of it.
1: Yeah. No kidding.
0: All right. So shall we talk about how to promote your podcast editing business without spamming everyone?
1: Nah, let's not.
0: Yes. All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the show. Make sure you buy your podcast. <laughs> um. So what do we mean by spamming? So for me, when I see this is... I see it a lot from podcasters in general, more so than editors, just because there's more podcasters and the groups on them in. But it's just like dropping your link without actually offering... Much value or when it's not wanted, I see that a lot,
1: yeah, I, I think the place that I struggle with sometimes is I want to be a giver, I want to always feel like I'm essentially giving things away, which of course is not really truly attainable, right because there's got to be some level of reciprocation it's not
0: the best business practice
1: right it's not it doesn't keep businesses in in um, in business for a long time, and I think the part that I struggle with is. How comfortable I, am I with even part of my motivation being, hey, I'd like somebody to buy something, which is a huge mindset thing because as a business owner, even as a freelancer, you got to have people paying you, right? Or you can't buy the software. You can't do the stuff. You can't put the food on the table.
0: Yeah. And as I know for a dream of a lot of us that I've achieved is doing this as our sole gig. And it's kind of important to make money out of it.
1: Yeah. So... I'm not sure where to start this one because we've talked a little bit about where our hangups are. I'm kind of wondering in the chat also, uh, because we are moderating moderating those comments as we go through this. Why don't you share with us also some of the struggles that you have in terms of feeling like you're spamming or approaches or things like that uh, so that we can kind of talk about this together. And I'll throw it back now, Daniel, because you're hosting, not me.
0: I think we can co-host this. I mean, I I think that's fair. I guess the first thing is to identify your target audience, I think is important.
1: Yeah. And I think that speaks a little bit to who you're going to be communicating with and where, right? So if my target audience is eight figure business owners, I'm probably not going to be posting, Hey, I've got some availability. If you want to work with me, I'm available in the podcast movement, Facebook page. Not that there aren't business owners in there that might be eight figure business owners, but the reality is that's not the place for that. And so I I think that knowing who you're targeting is certainly a key. We've talked behind the scenes and I think even on the stream, how I continue to struggle with how to define that person for myself. Daniel, how about you?
0: I was kind of pushed into, well, I mean, I guess I kind of fell more than anything into like my target audience. Because whenever I got first started, I, you know, did the Fiverr route and started too cheap and got really lucky in that one of my One of my first clients ended up, um, she was a life coach and has become like an extremely successful coach and through word of mouth, grown my business in the life coaching industry. So I've kind of like gotten lucky and just kind of stumbled into a pretty good niche.
1: So I guess the thing that I would share, maybe this will spark some conversation or some questions in the, the group. I've historically only, or typically only either posted to my own page, or answered questions in groups. I don't typically respond to those. I will sometimes, but I don't typically respond to those, hey, who's an editor or anything like that. I also don't tend to post constantly, hey, I'm an editor, come hire me. But I'm actually thinking that I need to start changing that a little bit. And I'm wondering, since you're kind of doing this full-time, maybe you've got some insight in terms of how I can tweak my mindset regarding that. This shows are basically therapy for Brian. He brings the questions and everybody else brings the answers. Let's just be honest.
0: That's a great role for you, honestly. But I don't know that because I have a hard time promoting myself. I guess the way I like to promote myself is through incidental promotion. And actually to tie into what we're talking about earlier, like one of the strategies I learned from the first podcast editors conference is setting up your Facebook profile to promote yourself. So that way, when you're answering questions in the Facebook groups, if you leave a really good answer, somebody just happens like want to look into you, your Facebook profile can promote for you. So, if you have any insight, Brian, I'll actually pull up my Facebook profile and I'll share it to the stream. Um, And then, if you're listening to the recording, this I'll put a picture in the show notes. So check that out if you want to see what I'm talking about.
1: That's certainly something that I've tried to do in terms of optimizing my profile, and there are some really simple things that I've done. For example, I list my business as one of the jobs that I have and I list the the shows that I participate in as jobs that I have so the people that visit my profile can see that I've also optimized some of the featured images so that they highlight some of the stuff that I want to show from a, if I was a personal brand perspective. The place where I kind of struggle is I don't know that I necessarily drop enough of the specific content into my feed. And that's actually something that I've been working with a coach to fix a bit, in terms of actually posting original content on my page or on my on my profile. I'll call it that, uh, because that's been a, a struggle for me. And I think the the part that, <laughs> believe it or not, this is actually a health coach. I hired a health coach because I didn't lose any weight over the COVID thing; it went the other direction. But because he's got a small business, we talk about this kind of stuff as well. And part of his reframing is to not think about this in terms of you're spamming people with your stuff, but to think about what can I share with people that will help them and also highlight the fact that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to this kind of thing. So that's that's sort of my ongoing inner work. Did you find what you were looking for, Daniel?
0: Uh, no, because it seems like Facebook has updated and I didn't notice it. Because you used to be able to, I think there's some sort of like, there's a featured section. We used to be able to like choose what images you want there. And then when you click on the images, it was like a little blurb about whatever it was like. For me, it was like podcast editing services. When you clicked on that, it was like a little blurb about what I do and like a link to my website. So that's different now. I do have social links to all my social media. So like my Roth Media, Instagram and Twitter and everything. But another strategy that I have been thinking about for a while and just haven't done anything with, you know, do as I say, not as I do type thing, is writing or like kind of talking about like original content. And this might've been what you're talking about, but like writing blog articles about the questions that you see pop up in these Facebook groups. So you see a question like, what microphone should I use for, podcasts, for podcasting? Or like what media host? Or like, what should I do with this particular topic? So that way, when you go to answer the question, being like, here's my two cents, and here's an article that talks about it. So this way you're providing like legitimate answer to their question, but it's also your content.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely good. And that's something I'm not necessarily trying to do the blog post route, although I've been thinking about it. I've actually been thinking about uh, creating podcast content because I'm more comfortable in that medium. And also, I feel like I need to continue to grow as a podcast host. And so I'm starting a super secret, I won't yet be promoting it podcast to do the reps, right? To get the practice in, to do the stuff. And my thinking is that I'll use that to clarify stuff. Steve comments that he's on Facebook more than any other platform and Facebook pages completely baffle him. I'm in the same boat, uh, Steve. I feel like Facebook pages at one point served a purpose and now it's like having an unfindable listing in the phone book. Uh, It has as much value as being on the last page of the yellow pages when everybody's looking for the letter A. Um, (laughs) So I feel you on that one. One of the things that I've been trying to also think about, and this was something that I talked to my coach about and he brought up, is reframing the fact that I'm constantly answering questions as actually part of my social media strategy. And I know we've talked about this in the past. I'm trying to take a more proactive approach to the point where I'm actually tracking or supposed to be tracking the number of minutes I spend per day answering questions in Facebook groups where I think my ideal client might be or people who I think might be able to introduce me to my ideal client. And part of that means that I'm not spending as much time as I would prefer in the editor groups. Because while those are all my friends, (laughs) that's not necessarily where my ideal clients are. There's certainly value in those relationships and I don't want to give those up. But there are other places where I can interact online where either there's a higher probability that my interactions will be seen by the people that might be hiring or that are actually being indexed by search engines instead of the walled garden that is Facebook. And so I'm actually making that part of my actual formal strategy. And that makes me feel better about it because now I can easily say every day I'm spending my time doing some level of marketing because I was already doing that. And it's been my habit for four or five years now to do that every day just because it's what I do and who I am. Have you seen any return on that? Two weeks in, not yet.
0: Okay. Still too early to tell.
1: But I will say, and this has been a while, but my first big client uh, is a production company. And the reason she reached out to me initially was because of an interaction that she saw in a Facebook group. And then that led to a visit to my website where I was apparently the only person who had my packages lined out in a way that she could go, I know what this guy offers, assuming we can get the pricing worked out and he can deliver on what he says he does, then this is the guy that I'm interested in. I can say, yeah, I've, I mean, she's one of my biggest clients, so lots of money comes through that. But it's not something where I can say, yes, I've seen a return since I've changed this focus this year.
0: I think that kind of goes back to making sure that your social media profiles are set up to get people back to your website or to something to keep them.
1: Yeah. And I think my encouragement would be not to necessarily try to duplicate what I'm doing because that may not work for you. But think about something in terms of a repeatable framework where maybe on a weekly or a monthly cycle, you can go, okay, these are the activities that I want to engage in and then set up a way to track that. I use an app on my phone called Streaks, which has nothing to do with people running around football fields in the 1970s. It's just what I use. to It's based on the, the principle that um, Jerry Seinfeld shares where you don't want to miss a day of the red X. So it's checking in every day or X number of times per week so you don't break the streak. And that's what I'm using. And so I just put them in there. The, I think there's five or six actions that I've got listed on different cadences and the goal is just to do them and not break the streak. And the reason I'm doing that is because it's been my experience and I keep hearing it over and over that over time habits trump focused activity. There's nothing wrong with a focused breakthrough activity. But if that activity isn't repeated and the habits aren't in place to continue that, then there's not as much value. And this this principle's been around for a while, but it's part of what I've been working with the health coach on. So I'm just taking what I'm learning from working with him and applying it to here and I'm going okay I do these four really simple things every day and these couple of things x number of times per week and I see results because I'm hitting the metrics and I'm doing the work and it it's not sexy it's not like ooh look at all the things I did it's just like okay I ate fewer calories than I burned check I drank some water I went for a walk <laughs> like it's the really easy stuff but because It's done consistently. It works. And so if you're thinking, okay, well, I know this one or two things have worked for me in the past. How can you systematize that? Or how can you make that part of your daily routine? And part of the framework that I'm working from is most of my work has come through referrals or most of my new work has come through referrals. Referrals are not inherently repeatable and they're not inherently controllable because they rely on me being top of mind with somebody who's talking to somebody who needs what I want at the time that they're talking. And so that can be very difficult to do, even if it's incentivized, because they're not necessarily thinking about you when they're at some event and they meet somebody that says, hey, what are you doing? You're right. They're just not thinking about that.
0: Yeah. I've tried the financial incentive in the past and it hasn't worked because I can't offer enough to where it makes sense for both parties. So like to make it enough money to where it's like, okay, this is worth promoting. I'm
1: losing too much money. I will share that the part I'm trying to figure out, and I don't have the nut cracked. So if somebody in the chat or Daniel has this one, I'm trying to figure out, as we think about referrals, how can I start recruiting champions for my business? People where I actually am top of mind for whatever reason, and they're actively looking for opportunities to create connections. So when I think about what Steve has done over the last couple of years in terms of creating or the last couple of conferences, creating those places where editors can come and meet people, he's not creating the introduction, but he's creating the environment for that. And I'm thinking, how can I do something that will start creating those champions for me and my business? And if the people they refer to me aren't the right ones, of course, I'm happy to send them to who I think is the right person. I've done that. Multiple times over the last couple of years, because somebody that came to me just wasn't the right fit.
0: So a couple of my things come to mind. So when I think about like being like that person in like another Facebook group, it's hard to like. Typically, like the owner of the Facebook group is kind of like on a pedestal. Sure. So like putting out content like on social media and growing an audience that way. Which can be really tough because it comes back to consistency, but also like promoting the right content. Because is your client going to care about how to properly EQ audio or how to get the right luffs? You know, you finding the right content. And then the second thing is putting yourself in front of the crowd. This is like the Steve Stewart episode. Steve <laughs> Stewart constantly promotes <laughs> like going to conferences that aren't podcasting conferences. Going to the conferences, so like, you know, he edits for personal finance podcasters and he's always talking about FinCon and he's pushing people to go to FinCon to speak about podcasting. And at this point, like they have tracks for podcasting. So like as a podcast editor going to whatever industry you want to work in and speaking about podcasting in a non-podcasting conference, I'm doing that. So like, you know, my, my niche is live coaching. Next week, I am giving a less like a a talk about podcasting to a podcasting group or no, sorry, a life coaching group. So like I'll be talking about podcasting to non-podcasters, or like two people that aren't in the space. And if I'm the only one doing that or one of the few, then to this niche, like I'm that go to
1: person. Steve agrees with you. He says you're 100 percent right. Be that fish in the small pond, the big fish in this, I can't read today, the big fish in the small pond. So yeah, the question I would have is you've identified a conference to go to, right? How did you find the right one? Like, how did you, how did you go? Okay. I'm confident enough that I'm going to invest in this conference.
0: Um, it's my client. Okay. She runs like a private group and then she has like experts come in to teach about whatever topics, like actually one that she has is about ethical copywriting, which was really interesting. And so I'm like, hey, a lot of coaches use podcasting. Why can't I be the expert for podcasting in this group? And so and I have that repertoire with my client. mean, like, obviously, she trusts me enough to work on her show. So I'll be like the expert for her audience. So I don't know that I that's, you know, uh, something that can be repeated, but. That's how I did it. Well, and
1: it doesn't necessarily have to be. It's not like you have to find five conferences necessarily. Although that does speak to what we were talking about as far as groups, right? I would think of online groups. I would also think of offline communities as being those places where your ideal client might be hanging out. So you're absolutely doing that.
0: Yeah. And if you can get a client, talk to your client. So if you have a client that's in the niche that you want to be in, ask them, what conferences are out there or what opportunities are out
1: there. I would agree with that. And actually, I did something similar with one of my clients who I consider to be the representation of what I think my new ideal client is as I continue to transition my business. I said, Hey, who do you think I should meet? And he actually said, Well, I'm not sure yet, but we're starting to have more guests on our show. So we love what you do. And we're happy to share that with them after they've been a guest on our show. I was like, Wasn't expecting you to give me referrals. I'll take them, of course. I guess the other thing I would say is the idea of champions. Don't be afraid to ask. Like if there's somebody that you're going, this would be a great person. You don't necessarily have to say, will you be my champion? But you can go to them and say, hey, where do I find more people like you? Or who do you think I should know? I think that's perfectly appropriate to do. Uh, Steve says that conferences are even better if you can find one in your hometown. I would agree. I loved Podfecta when it was in town that one time that they had it. Uh, the one question I've got, and I'm not sure if this is too spammy or not, but I keep seeing David Hooper of Big Podcasts, and he'll post stuff on Instagram, silly pictures or whatever. And then he ends every book with something along the lines of, hey, I wrote a book, check it out here. And I'm wondering, like, if I was to do that with pictures of cats or my children or whatever and say, hey, this is what go- is going on in my life, by the way, I'm an editor. Check out what I do here. Is does that border on spamminess? This is a real question. I'm actually wondering.
0: I am like so far, like, to me, that feels a little spammy. So I think back to the 80-20 rule, 80% giving, 20% asking. So like whenever I think like I see a post from about you know from this person, I know it's just a an attempt to get me to buy something. And that feels kind of Disingenuous.
1: So I will file that one in the category of I'm not going to try that one just yet. Maybe not And I'm not
0: trying to like speak ill of David Hooper.
1: Yeah, so definitely David is a marketing expert. I mean, he's put together conferences, he's done tons of stuff. So not not necessarily poo-pooing that, just wondering if that fits our brand. Another idea that I had was collaborations. Like are there ways that you can collaborate with either other editors or people in complementary services to i don't know maybe set up some kind of collaborative referral agreement or to do some kind of networking where you've got some relationship there which is is not really an online thing necessarily but knowing that you've got a group of trusted people where if you've got a project that calls for what they need they would be able to deliver on it and so you could work with them or refer to them and vice versa steve says he likes the question he hasn't thought about bringing on collab as an editor or bringing on collaborating as an editor. So yeah, maybe that's something that'll work. It's something I've thought about. I've not really done that. I've tended to work more with referrals. right? So if I meet somebody that needs sound design, I know a few people that do that. So I send them there because that's not something that I offer and it's not something I would be comfortable charging for while I learn how to do it. Uh, Even though I'd like to think I could deliver on it, I don't know. And so I don't want to charge for that. Yeah, it
0: makes sense. I wonder if I should do that more cuz sometimes I go get clients that's outside my niche but like I'm afraid to and this kind of a mindset thing I'm afraid to turn away business cuz I feel like I you know I, I'm not in a position to be just turning away money but they might be better fit for another editor but there is somebody a friend of mine who has net editing business and sometimes um, he won't have the capacity so he'll refer them to me so there's definitely value in that
1: Steve says that he does have somebody that does white label show notes, but he doesn't consider that collaborating. I would agree. However, if there is some kind of way that you could work it out to where if they're not looking for what you do, but they just need a writer, you could refer to them and vice versa. If they just need an editor, they could refer to you. That might be a worthwhile connection. Uh, Graphic designer would be another option. Web designer I love web designers, but they really shouldn't be editing podcasts if they don't know what they're doing in the same way that I shouldn't be doing anything other than working with Divi and WordPress if somebody needs a website. So
0: something actually popped in my head, uh, virtual assistants, finding somebody who, if they have a niche, because there was, there's a company that I work with. Well, I edited their show for a bit, but they work, they're VAs for life coaches. And so if they have a client who's looking to start a podcast, they refer them to me. And I've gotten a few from just that.
1: So as we discovered, Daniel says that he doesn't do this and yet has been doing it for a while. No, that's great.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that's working for you. When I think like doing with other editors, I don't, but doing it with other
1: professionals. One other thing that came to mind, because we did brainstorm a little bit before we came on, believe it or not, is you can also, I think, tastefully share your struggles. Right. Whether they're struggles with mindset, struggles with business, struggles with editing, I think that it's okay to make that part of your stuff. I wouldn't necessarily make it negative, but I think it's okay to be vulnerable to people, right? To humanize yourself a little bit and not be, look at me, I'm an editor and I know things. But also, like, it could be something like, hey, I'd never seen this before and I really feel silly for something so simple. But being vulnerable, I think, is a great opportunity to share stuff. And not promote, but yet promote, if that makes sense.
0: I think so. So, who are you being vulnerable to? Your ideal client or to like? I other- would think
1: potentially your ideal client, right? So, I think of it either in terms of showing a little bit of vulnerability in terms of how client relationships work, right? Not calling anybody out or not throwing anybody under the bus, but being a little bit vulnerable in terms of, hey, you know, sometimes things don't work exactly as they should. This last week, something happened and this is how we corrected it. Or like something like that, like, hey, this is how we addressed it. Another one might be addressing at the core the same vulnerabilities that they might be feeling if they're thinking about launching a show or if they have a show and they're struggling with it and reframing it in the context of what's real for you, like what is actually true. You don't want to just lie and say, hey, I struggle with this too. Let's say that they're thinking about starting a show and they're feeling overwhelmed by all of the details. You don't necessarily have to say, hey, are you thinking about starting a show and being overwhelmed by all the details? You could say, hey, managing a show has a lot of details and sometimes it feels overwhelming for us and so this is how we do it or something like that or or something along the long, along those lines that lets people realize, hey, you're a real person. You're not just a brand with a, a podcast editing business. I like that. I, I guess I'm curious about like what kind of things you would share
0: A, your ideal client would relate to, but also that wouldn't set you up as maybe casting doubt on your ability?
1: Sure. So one that comes to mind for me is a a true story. I remember when I started my first podcast back in 2014, I was just getting started and had some background in the stuff, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So I found a podcaster that I trusted because he had a, a good show. And he had a free course. So I took his free course and I followed all of the stuff that he said, except for one thing. I followed what some other big name podcaster who had a 25 minute show that ran seven days a week interviewing entrepreneurs who were all lit on fire, shared about the ideal microphone to get for the show. And it would have been better if I had just listened to one person. So that's that's an example that I could easily share from my experience in terms of the overwhelm and also the danger in trying to take input from too many people. I mean, I'm just spitballing here. I mean, this is just conversation for sure. I like it.
0: I'd have to think about how I could implement that though.
1: The other one that I think that we could absolutely do, and I see some people do this really well. Matthew Passy comes to mind, and I think Steve also comes to mind. And this is the idea of either celebrating your clients or celebrating your community. I've seen Matthew in the past post things like congratulations to such and such show for making it to 200 episodes or or that kind of thing. And it's not so much as saying, him saying, hey, look at this cool show I work on. By the way, I edit shows. It's, hey, I want to celebrate them and not in a spammy, I'm being marketing kind of way, but also I care about my podcasters.
0: I've had that idea in the past. It's one of those things, like I have these ideas that I don't implement. But yeah, like, Posting on social media about your clients. I love that because one, like it boosts up your clients and that really builds a relationship between you and your clients. Like one of the strategies I have been su- successfully implemented is being more than like a ghost on the other side of an email. Is having a personal relationship with my clients. So a, they're less likely to fire me if something goes wrong or like less likely for them to like switch to another editor because like, We know each other personally, and it gives them an opportunity to come to me like any issues. That way, they don't make a mistake that I now have to coach them how to fix with their podcast. (laughs) So I think that's a great way to like build that client relationship. But it's also kind of it is promoting yourself subtly in a non spammy way by kind of borrowing their audience because they're probably likely reshare, and if they do, then now their audience can see it. And if they have other people in their field or Looking for an editor and just kind of a way to like get in front of them.
1: And for me, like, I, I'm not the best people person. I think people that know me may already be aware of that. But in the past, I've actually hesitated to share these kinds of milestones because I felt like the clients might see it as me trying to ride on the coattails of their success. And what I'm coming to realize is that they don't see it that way, they see it as you actually caring about them as a person and taking a second to do that. I have done something in the past that Steve mentioned in the chat, which is even if you don't post on social, you should at least send them an email when they hit a milestone. I will share that I've been terrible about that. However, I did have one client who's a I subcontract for her. After the first year, when it was coming time to renew, I sent her a note and said, Hey, I looked over the last year. And did you realize that together we produced? I mean, it wasn't. That I didn't care. Like, it's not that I didn't want her to see that and go, hey, yeah, we really did something. But also, it was kind of like, wow, (laughs) we did this together. So I want to make sure that you know that we did this too.
0: I love that idea of, so like, even properly celebrating their milestones.
1: Yeah. And I think that would be the one where if you're starting to say, you know, maybe this feels spammy or maybe I have a non disclosure with this client where I can't talk about it. And that's something I do terribly, Steve on the other hand, apparently is the master of this. He has anniversary reminders for the dates, which, Steve, we just bow We should have Steve on this episode. I mean, not in a creepy way, but wow. Yeah, we should have. (laughs) And just pick his brain. My goodness. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, though, if you're listening to this, Steve, we are planning to have Steve join us for the next one. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, but we do want to kind of throw that out there because... I think that's going to be a great conversation. I'm going to stop now.
0: So like, once again, so going back to celebrating your client's anniversaries, even privately, builds our relationship because they might not even realize, they probably realize they're like yearly if they put out a weekly show, once they get to, you know, 52 episodes, 104 episodes, that kind of um, is kind of like a natural like reminder that they've reached a year. Um, But like download numbers, it's like when they hit like 10,000, 100,000 downloads, When they hit like a thousand monthly downloads, because that was one of my clients, like her big goal was to get to a point where she had, like on her dashboard, like a thousand downloads in the past 28 days. And just sitting like, hey, here's this milestone that you reached, because then they can take that information, share it to their social media and be like, oh my God, here's like this great thing that we've done as a community with this show. And maybe they'll drop like, hey, my editor brought this to my attention, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but there's a chance.
1: And one other thing I'd like to mention, if you are a little bit squeamish about using your client's name for promotions, if you've written that into your agreement, which is something I've started doing, you shouldn't feel like you can't or you shouldn't feel like it's being spammy because they've given you permission to use their their name, their show, that kind of thing. And if you do it in a way that actually draws attention to them, I think it's all the better. Like... Not just, hey, look, I work with so-and-so. Look at how cool I am. I put their logo on my website. No, they've given you permission. And the way you're going to use that is you're going to help them celebrate their victories, the ones that are willing, they're willing to have public. Like, I don't know that you should post their download numbers, but you could certainly say, hey, congratulations on hitting this milestone because that's public information. When they hit episode 50, their RSS feed has 50 shows in there. Like, it's that easy to figure out.
0: I love that. And you're promoting them. To your audience. Mm -hmm. So like everybody wants to be talked about.
1: I like that one more and more. I did that one for the first time this week and I felt really good when I did it. And I hope they felt good when they saw that because I tagged them too. And especially
0: (laughs) if you're building your social media around like a certain niche, then like you're promoting it to like-minded people who would care about that particular client or maybe their show.
1: Yeah. I'd also like to mention one thing that I've recently tweaked I typically used to only post my editing related stuff either in one of the groups that I was part of or from my Facebook page, which gets essentially zero traction because Facebook really just wants it to be the yellow pages that nobody sees anyway. So I've transitioned. I've actually started using my profile page and I'm like, you know what? I love my friends. and I love my family. If they don't want to see this stuff, they can either mute me or whatever, but I'm not going to pretend Like I'm not doing this anymore and always push it to the brand page. I'm just going to let it hang out there. And if people don't like it, I guess they can tell me. That
0: makes a lot of sense. Because I see other people do too. And like, it doesn't really bother me. And I think of like, if it's not bothering me, then it's chances are it's not going to bother other people. And otherwise, like I'm not posting anything else in my feed. So it's going to be stuff that's from like years ago or maybe stuff when I was a little more controversial.
1: I'm out of stuff. We have plumbed the depths of my knowledge in this. I
0: don't know. I think we've done, like, we've really covered it. I guess one thing, another thought I had is promoting your clients through their milestones could be a way to turn them into your champions.
1: Oh, yeah. Hadn't thought about that.
0: Because they're going to love
1: it. And So you heard it here first, unless you heard it somewhere else first. If you can, promote your clients and celebrate their wins and their successes. So should we talk about the episode that we have coming up with Steve?
0: In two weeks, so that's going to be June what 30th, 2022. We're going to be talking about late fees. And what kind of prompted this is um, Steve had actually pulled a podcast editor's club about how to charge late fees or rush fees to your clients. Like, I just want to get to it right now, but I'm trying to refrain myself. But yeah, like, how do you handle like last minute or like really short deadlines? And how do you like get properly compensated for that? I think that's going to be really important because like it's, it's hard for like something I struggle with is setting boundaries with my clients and like respecting my own time to uphold those boundaries. So I'm
1: really excited about it. I am too. I've got some thoughts uh, and my thoughts have changed since I've started bringing on editors to work for me because that changes the flexibility that I feel like I have. So I don't want to spill the beans, but I think this could be a very interesting topic. I'm so looking forward to this. It's yeah, going Yeah, absolutely.
0: Great. And it seems to like, you never have a bad conversation with the guy. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. All right. Do we have a poddex question for today?
1: We do have a poddex question for the day. I need for you to pick a number between one and five, and then I'll select. Let's go with number four. One, two, three, four. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. I don't even know how to answer this. The question for today, and you're. If you're joining us in the chat on the live stream, we would love to see your answers as well. What characteristic are you most known for? That's a tough one for me to answer because I kind of feel like I'm sitting on the outside. What if I answer for you and you answer for me?
0: Okay. Because when I think of you, like the characteristic is spreadsheets,
1: analytical. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, being analytical. Okay. Um, so Daniel, when I think of you, the thing that and this is, this is a bit tough because I'm not really a people person, I think the way I would hear you is really trying to elevate the Reaper community. And that's not so much a characteristic, but I think it speaks to the characteristic of wanting to help everybody. I don't know that I've ever heard it described that way, but that's what I think I see there is that desire to help everybody. And so you focus in on the community where you can help. And I think that's where you jump in. Steve agrees. Truth about Daniel. So I feel like if Steve has given me the thumbs up that I'm going to go with it. Steve says that he is known for complaining about Google Drive too much. I would push back on that and I would say complaining about Google Drive just slightly not enough.
0: I I think (laughs) that the amount of complaining is on par with the amount of complaints that it deserves.
1: To be fair, I do use Google Drive on a regular basis. However, it is not my preferred way to communicate with or to collaborate with clients for file sharing. I love it for document sharing. I think it crushes the supposed integration between Microsoft Word and Dropbox. And it just kills that. But I don't like sharing files over Drive. It's a pain. Not everybody agrees with me and that's okay. I know that we have some Drive lovers out there and you're welcome to use that. Um, I do work with one person who wants to use WeTransfer, not my favorite. Steve says that we need to do file sharing as a future topic on the Mastermind. That's something we can take away. I'm not sure we could go a full hour on that except for complaining. I'm certain I could complain for an hour. I
0: don't know, maybe we can do like a shorter episode or maybe like a mix one, like get two topics that are half an episode and throw them together.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm just taking notes, Steve. So, uh, so we don't forget that we talked about that.
0: <laughs> uh, what else do we need to do? So if you want to be a guest on this show, go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest, fill out the form. I've been negligent on that, I'll admit, So if you have, oh, a blog post, maybe we'll write a blog post on file yeah. sharing.
1: Make Carrie do it. She writes stuff.
0: But if you want to be a guest, go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest, fill out the form, and I will be in touch. Or if you have like a quick question that won't be like a full episode and just want a quick answer, send a message to either on the contact form or through Be A Guest because occasionally we'll do like a mailbag question in the show answering a question from the mastermind.
1: If you're joining us late, we did announce, in case you missed it, the Podcast Editors Conference is coming up. So make sure you check that out. It's at podcasteditorsconference.com. There's all the information there. We're not going to repeat it right now because we already talked about it. I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. Or you can check out my Facebook profile where you'll find pictures of cats and dogs and the occasional posting about what I do.
0: And I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at Rothmedia.audio. Yeah, I don't put much out there. But if you want some really good information, follow our fellow, check out our fellow Yeti, Carrie Caulfield, Eric. You can find all of her amazing stuff at yayapodcasting.com or Jennifer Longworth, who's our former member of the Mastermind, always a Yeti in our heart. At bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com and I think that's it for us. So uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Uh, so
0: um, how much is that? Um. Um. Um.
1: Um. 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 Um.